that in this. Where's James at? At some point I was like, well, where in the world? Just Max is holding it down. You doing all right, Max? Baby Angel's doing okay? Yeah. Three musketeers are missing one of their musketeer. All right, we are going to do a little bit of artistic work today on the whiteboard. Um, the sermon, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, uh, something just to kind of put back in front of you. If we think about this series, the end game, the long, the long picture in the series, a vision, an outcome, something that you'd want to learn, take away, an area in which you'd want to grow, I think last week we talked about that theme of creation and recreation. Um, is, there an, you know, is there something that's been created in you that's been distorted that needs to be recreated? Um, so kind of keeping that, that, just that vision, that question, that, that kind of awareness. Okay, what are we doing here? Had a little bit of homework this week. Deetra? Yeah. <laughs> just like catch you off guard. Like, had a little bit of, Chris? I'm just kind of, I mean, again, not, not like, hey, doing it and we're, you know, checking your notebook or anything, but just maybe a little check-in, kind of a midweek. Um, was that little format, I, I wanted to keep it simple, helpful? Yeah. I don't know. How do we feel about that, Church? Do, I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to a little bit of chatter on that text thread. I, there's doesn't have to be. It's not like, like, hey... What were you saying? I don't like group text. You don't like group text? Yeah. No, I don't think that the homework, I don't think that the, yeah, they're like the intention was, yeah. No, it was just kind of more like, like, yeah, just kind of put it out there. Maybe you would chat with your spouse, your children, your friends, or some, somebody who might be close to you. Hey, we talked about this theme. Here's a question. Maybe just something for personal reflection. If there's, if you feel like, hey, I got to share this, right? Like, by all means, share it. But I don't know if I had put it out there for. And I didn't at any point be like, oh, nobody's responding. <laughs> you guys aren't on it because you guys have Android. Oh, you're separate. I know. I have like a, because you can add unlimited on iMessage and then you can't. Has Apple updated that where you can? No, no, no. I never felt that at all. I never felt that at all. But can you do that now? Like, because it used to be 20. Really? I know. God, just bringing us appreciate. Okay, let me look into that. Yeah. Let me look into that because I was under the assumption that it's like all iMessage. Maybe they've updated that in some new software updates. Let's hope so. And I used to have kind of two, and I would love to because I know like Mark Hoskins has 
Android. At one point, Brian and Wendy had Android. Donna has Android. So I kind of had this secondary Android text that I was kind of copying and pasting to, but I think I've lost a little bit of that, that thread itself. But if I can maybe make one giant one with everything, man. Well, I mean, we do have, you guys are the remnant of, you know. We're the rebels. Yeah, you're the rebels of. Um, okay, what do I want to do? I want to read this text, and I put the wrong reference there at the bottom, which kind of frustrates me a little bit. It's actually Mark 1, 14, and 15, not 1 through 13. This is, this is it. I mean, this is the whole text that I want to go through this morning. Um, again, we talked last week, chapter one, we used that analogy of being drenched. We talked about the opening lines, John the Baptist, Jesus gets baptized, he's sent into the wilderness. So he comes, he kind of comes out of the wilderness and we pick up in verse 14. Um, and I didn't, I didn't put the Bibles out this morning, uh, just because this is it. So you can probably just look at this and almost memorize it. Uh, after John was put in prison, Jesus goes into Galilee and he's proclaiming the good news about God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So I want to kind of, I meant to bring a little, I had been planning this drawing, but I I want us to think about this passage like this. Um, I'm going to draw the magic or the unmagic kingdom. Let's see how we do here. Okay, and then we're going to have a uh, door here and window here and window here. So this is our kingdom. And within this kingdom, you're going to have some sort of, I don't know, we're going to draw a border around this kingdom, right? And then within this border, you might have like, um, you might have a little village over here. And maybe you'd have a little village. You guys really, I mean, is this really helping bring the sermon alive right now? Is this really like kind of just. (laughs) Okay, I was about to get really distracted there for a second. Let's keep going because we have all the kids. So we're going to have another kingdom over here. Um, And then you just kind of maybe have some folks over here. I'm sure you have animals too, but this guy's upside down for whatever reason I do that guy upside down a kingdom right this is kind of the way you maybe think about a classic kingdom um and when Jesus is announcing his kingdom again this is kind of language that he's using this is kind of how we would think about kingdoms we think about uh the knights of the round table maybe you'd think about another great example of kind of kingdoms would be the movie Braveheart um what else we think about with kingdoms obviously Disneyland and the magic kingdom right within um, so you have, um, you kind of have this kingdom and, and this kingdom is run by a guy that's no good, right? So this guy is run by, I meant to draw like a little skull and crossbones up here, but we're just going to put a sad face instead. Um, this kingdom's run by a guy that's no good. Now, if a guy that's no good, what kind of, what kind of words could we use for a no good kingdom? Say that again. Corrupt. Oh, that's a good one. Corrupt. I'll just get the juices flowing. Come on, what else? Uh, I think like a socialist or a communist. Okay. 
oppressive. What else? It's not a bad, it's not a bad analogy. Uh, cruel came to mind. I, I was thinking, I mean, come on, you guys keep, keep, keep thinking about this. Cutthroat. Greedy. Fascist. Oh, Japan. <laughs> yeah, so we have this kingdom, right? And this kingdom is, is this is the kingdom that, you know, maybe you or I or, or, or this kind of kingdom that we're, we're kind of having fun with this morning. And this is the kingdom that these, these folks live in, these villagers, these people, corrupt, it's socialist, communist, fascist, oppressive, cruel, cutthroat, greedy, um, it's, uh, I think another word I was thinking about was like territorial, right? So it's, it's all this stuff, right? And then when we are looking at this passage in specific, right? What we are having here is kind of somebody down here. With a megaphone, Right? And they are making an announcement towards this kingdom, right, about a, a new kingdom, a kingdom of God, right? And we, we call this announcement here, we're going to call it gospel, right? Or, as this text says, the good news, right? Someone is making an announcement, they're shouting it out, they're making an announcement into this kingdom, right? And this happens to be good news, the, the good news is, is, the, is the word gospel, right? The kingdom of God. Has, and they're making an announcement about this particular kingdom, right? Now, this kingdom over here isn't, so I, I would say this kingdom here is, it's physical, Right, so it's physical in the sense that the Jews would have experienced it as 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 Rome, as the Roman Empire. They would have experienced it as Greece. They would have experienced as Babylon, as Assyria, as Egypt. They would have experienced this in a very real kind of physical way, right? But it's also got a spiritual element to it. I better hustle up if they're already going out for, I'm like, I'm not even like past the like kind of opening stanza here. <laughs> so this kingdom's physical, right? Rome, Greece, Syria, Babylon, Egypt, whatever. It's spiritual. You, you can't like, how do, again, corruption, oppressiveness, greed, right? There's kind of this, this kind of spiritual nature to it. This kingdom is probably more primarily spiritual, right? And it contains the physical, although it's not, this announcement of this kingdom 
isn't another, so to speak, castle, another border, another village. It's, it's more of a spiritual announcement, right? That contains the physical. Please don't hear me in like saying like Jesus just came for the spiritual and the physical doesn't matter. I don't ever want those, that kind of dualist um, mentality for us to think. I want us to always think about how they're together. But Jesus comes announcing more of a spiritual reality over just like a physical kind of, hey, I am establishing as the Jews wanted, right? The Jews were looking for somebody to come and cleanse, uh, that's not a, to cleanse the temple, to start anew afresh with the temple, right? To establish this kingdom on earth in a very physical sense that maybe had some spiritual realities tagged into it. But Jesus comes as he's announcing this kingdom, right? It's far more in a spiritual sense with the physical that is kind of tied into that, right? Are you with me so far as we just kind of look at these couple verses? This is a kingdom announcement, right? This is the good news. This is the gospel. And then, and we're going to get to this word repent in a second. But when he makes that gospel announcement, right? This word repent means Say this person thinks, wow, this kingdom right here, right? This is the way that the world works. This is the way that things are going. To repent means, no, 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 that is not the right way. And it's literally kind of that, we've talked about this, it's like a 180 turn. It's to turn and go the other direction, right? Believe this announcement, trust, right? Rely, depend upon this announcement of a new kingdom, that is being established in and against this kingdom, okay? Um, So we start this passage, and this is just kind of a picture of the framework. We start this passage with John in prison. Now, this is interesting because when we go back to this passage, I I don't know if you guys are reading this or seeing this or, or kind of encountering John, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, right? Jesus even says of John the Baptist at one point, like he's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Like this is, this is, this is like one of Jesus's, Jesus looks at him and says, this guy is, is, like, is like my guy, right? And he's put in prison on one hand and Jesus is proclaiming the good news on the other hand, right? So there is, there is I put it like this, I put there's always tension in the gospel, right? There's always tension in the gospel. In in our mind, if we were to make an announcement of good news, an announcement of good news does not include my cousin being thrown in prison for kind of, you know, erroneous reasons, right? John the Baptist is thrown in prison because he says to Herod, he says, hey, uh, you shouldn't have like stole your brother's wife. Like that's not a good thing to do, right? And Herod throws him in prison. Herod's wife nurses a grudge against uh, John the Baptist and has him beheaded, right? This is John's story. We're going to read about this in a couple chapters. Um, there's always this tension in the gospel. And the other kind of part of that is what another thing that Mark is doing in this gospel is he's, he's kind of foreshadowing just a little bit, right? He's giving us a little bit of foreshadowing. So John is, you know, it maybe says handed over, right? That's the word that's kind of used here. John is, is handed over. He's, he's put in prison, this is the word that Jesus uses about himself in chapter 9, 31, 10, 33. Jesus says, I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and the teachers of law. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles, right? And they're going to, they're going to um, mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to strike me. And they're going to crucify me. 
needed a little coffee break anyway. Thanks, Jebby. <laughs> then in chapter 14, Jesus is handed over, right? Jesus is then handed over to Pilate, who condemns him to be crucified. So there's this tension of like Jesus making this announcement of good news. How does good news include some, your cousin going to prison? Um, and then speaking of death, right, this kind of good news of, of John the Baptist gets beheaded, right? Not too long after this, after we read this, he's going to be beheaded again for, you know, saying, hey, you shouldn't have stolen your brother's wife. And Jesus is going to get crucified. Um, I, and, and again, this, this, this announcement of good news, right, in the midst of beheading and crucifixion, I'm thinking to myself, okay, on what planet, like on what planet can you make that claim? Like I'm announcing this great news that ends with my cousin getting beheaded and I'm going to be crucified, right? And the only planet that you can do that on, the only planet that you can do that, and I was just thinking about Jesus' words himself where he says, I've told you these things. I've told you all these things, right? This is later on in John, uh, that you will have peace. I give you peace. And then he says this, the world's going to trouble you much. Beheading, crucifixion, persecution, suffering, doubt, difficulty, struggle. And Jesus says, but be glad because I have power over the world, right? So if we were to ask on what planet, on what world, can somebody say, I have good news, and simultaneously hold that alongside of beheading and crucifixion, the only world, the only planet that that can happen on is a planet in which that person says, I have control and power over this world and over this planet, right? John 11, Jesus says, to Martha, right? Remember, uh, this is when Lazarus passes away. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Right? Again, Jesus saying, on what planet can I make my good news in and over death itself on the one that I have power over? Right? Be glad. I have power over this entire world, this planet, right? So I can, at one hand, be shouting good news about my kingdom and at the other time knowing that my cousin's going to be beheaded, right? That I'm going to be crucified, that all of the followers that I choose are going to be um, martyred. They're all going to be killed too, right? So Jesus is able to make those claims because he has that kind of power, um, then Jesus begins proclaiming the gospel, right? Where's the, where's, let's go back to the text again real quick, right? Proclaiming the good news, the gospel, right? Jesus is doing this. So John gets thrown in prison. We see that tension. We see Jesus' triumph, his power over the world. Um, Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, the second part of this. And when we think about proclaiming the gospel, I don't know about you, but when I think about proclaiming the gospel or preaching the gospel, probably what comes to mind is some sort of crowded populous area, right? And there's somebody who has some sort of sandwich board sign and he's loud and there's typically bad theology. Um, and there's some sort of, there's some sort of condemnation of sinning um, to, to go to church. And then you have that, that invitation to say a prayer, right? to go to heaven when you die, or at least this guy will help you escape hell, right? When we think about, if you were to go and say, hey, what does preaching the gospel kind of conjure up? Probably something in this realm, right? The gospel, the gospel is good news, right? This does not look like a lot of good news. Maybe it is, but it doesn't look like good news, right? 
And the gospel is good news. And we need to think about this, this good news. It is an announcement or reality proclamation, not an optional invite. So we often sell the gospel in terms of the plan of salvation, right? Here is an optional invite into salvation, right? Which is kind of how we would sell the gospel package and sell the gospel to people. But Jesus was not doing that. When Jesus is announcing the gospel, he is making a reality proclamation that his kingdom is here over and above the kingdoms of this world, right? N.T. Wright's definition, which I think is one of the best definitions of the gospel, is simply that Jesus is king and Caesar is not. Now, Caesar, you, I should have done another slide and taken that out and just put a placeholder there, right? Because you fill in anything that is the Caesar of the world. Right now, for us, it would probably be Jesus is king, comfort is not. Jesus is king, capitalism is not. Jesus is king, Amazon is not. Jesus is king, social media is not, right? So Caesar becomes a placeholder for all the things that, that we pledge our allegiance to, right? And we say, no, Jesus, you are the true king, right? And this is an announcement. This isn't an optional invite, right? Let me say it like uh, another guy, Tim Gombas. He, he kind of has a little bit of a longer definition, but he says a very similar thing. So this is Tim Gombas's definition of the gospel. The gospel, the good news, is speech about God's establishment of his reign in Jesus, right? It is therefore the set language that describes, and I like how he says this because he kind of, again, fans us out a little bit. He expands us. The multifaceted reality of God's creation, of a people who embody the gracious reign of God in Christ through practices of, and I had to put these in bullet points because he just had comma, 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 and it was kind of hard to, to follow. But he says, we are, he's, God is establishing a creation of people, embodying the gracious reign of God and Christ through the practices of joyful self-sacrifice, service, justice, love, compassion, care for the poor and for creation, confession of sin, forgiveness, you know, if, if this is the kind of practices of the corrupt kingdom, right, of the kingdom of this world, of the kingdom of Caesar, right, we could take that list and kind of put it over here with the gospel announcement, right? Jesus is announcing a, a kingdom of joyful self-sacrifice, service, justice, love, compassion. And then he finishes by saying, we can understand the gospel then as an announcement and the related speech about God's kingdom of a people who embody God's passionate pursuit of the whole of creation, right? A lot of times we, again, think that the gospel is just an optional invite to save your spiritual soul. I like how Gombas really kind of expands this out, and he says it's for the whole of creation, right? Um, so we are proclaiming the gospel, and then... Um, There was, there's, let me, let me kind of quote one other guy, another theologian, a guy named Walter Brueggemann. And Walter Brueggemann, he, he calls the drama, he calls the gospel a drama in three acts. And I like how he describes this, right? So he says, this is from Walter Brueggemann. He says, 
It's first a proclamation of God's decisive victory in the struggles with the forces of chaos or sin or death. Jesus announces his kingdom, right? He's saying, my kingdom has triumphed this kingdom, right? When he's proclaiming the gospel, my kingdom, the kingdom of God is near, right? It's triumphed. Repent and believe. Trust in my kingdom. And then he says, the second part of the, this drama is that there is an announcement of, the, of victory by a witness to the combat, right? We witness this combat. We see this combat. And then there is the appropriate response by those who hear. Let me just fill in the blanks a little bit on these guys. The proclamation of God's decisive victory. Um, think about the way that Jesus shows victory, right? How he wins, how he triumphs. And we're going to see this in the gospel of, of Mark. He just triumphed in the wilderness, right? He triumphed over the temptation. He would have the power to forgive sins. He triumphs over sins. He destroys demons. He heals sick, sickness, death. Jesus, again, he proclaims this decisive and displays his decisive victory in the struggles and the force of chaos and sin and death, right? And then there is this announcement of victory by a witness to the combat. This is us, right? When we see the victories of Christ here and now, right? When we see sin and healing, when we see sin and healings, I don't think I want to say sin there, but when we see sickness healed, right? When we see transformed communities, when we see pe people who are freed from addictions, who are given new starts, when we see acts of love, when we see grace and forgiveness and changed lives, we are, we are witnessing, right? We are witnessing Jesus' triumph in that, in that combat, right? And then the last thing is this appropriate response by those who hear. And this is this word repentance, right? People, we, we have the witnesses say, look, I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing gospel power. I'm seeing the establishment of the kingdom. I'm seeing God's work here. I'm seeing victory. And then somebody responds appropriately, right? They say, this kingdom is not the kingdom that I want to follow. I want to turn my head. I should, probably should be pointing down this way. I want to turn my head towards that gospel kingdom. How's he doing, Julia? He's tired. He's tired. I don't know if you guys know this, but I strategically have my children come in here at different points during the sermon so I can get a little bit of a break, have a coffee sip. So it was Jeanette first. I'm like, okay, Jeanette, okay, Julia, right around 11 o'clock because that's usually when folks get a little like, you know. So, Brueggemann, this is, this is the pro proclamation of the gospel, as he says in three acts. Um, and then we get to this last piece about repentance, right? Repentance, um, again, when, when you hear that word, if somebody were to say to you, you know, hey, repent, right? Kind of has that scolding, that critical tone to it. Um, I, I, like, I like the way that Garland, where's my Garland quote? I like the way that Garland talks about repentance, right? Because he compares repentance, he, he thinks about like the older brother, this, this story of the prodigal son, right? And when he thinks about repentance, when he kind of has this idea of repentance, he says, the prodigal would have hit such a buzzsaw of scolding from this supposedly upright brother that he probably made a, would have made a quick U-turn to the far country and his pigs die rather than proceed any further into the waiting arms of the father. So, 
Garland in his commentary kind of imagines the scene. They think about repentance. The, the prodigal son comes home, right? And he encounters the elder brother first, and the elder brother just lays into him. Because we know the elder brother in that story is just like, this, this guy, he's messed everything up, right? And he says if he encounters that kind of repentance, right, he says he probably just would have turned right back around. He says, in contrast, Jesus' call to repent is not a scathing reprimand, but an invitation to switch allegiances, right? It's kingdom language, right? Invitation to switch allegiances. The offers, um, he offers a summons welcoming people to respond to God's initiative. We talked a little bit about this last week too, just that whole idea of God taking initiative. God takes initiative in baptism, God takes initiative in all these things. So the, the repentance piece, right? And, and, um, right? Jesus announces his kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near, right? The kingdom of God is available. It's ready. We can believe in it. We can trust it. Repent. You're going one way and you believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. One more quote on repentance from, um, from Tim Gombas. Repent is not merely an intellectual task. It involves changing the way we conceive, I love this, conceive of living, so that we order our relationships and plan our days as if the reign of God is a reality and not a pious fantasy, right? Repent is not merely just something that we do up here. Oh yeah, okay, I was, I didn't believe in you, God, but now I do, and okay, that's it. It's not just up here. It is a task that involves changing the way that we live, relationships, our days, so that we live as if the kingdom of God, the reign of God, is a reality and not just some pious fantasy that lives out there. Where do we want to end here? I think I'm about... Yeah, I want to say um, one other obstacle to repentance here. We live in a society where we have become infuriated at anyone who would dare tell us that we need to change, right? Sorry, I got a little out, out, of, out of sorts there. Just a couple, couple obstacles to repentance. This is, from, this is from Garland, right? Sometimes people don't want to hear that word repent because it has that scolding, that critical tone to it. Um, often people don't want to repent because we live in a society where we become infuriated at anyone who would dare to tell us that we need to change, right? This is something we talked about with uh, expressive individualism. We've used that term a couple times here in this church, right? Where the highest goal for anyone in our world right now is to, as an individual, express who they are, right? Like that's your greatest your moment in life. And anybody who tells you to change or to repent or turn around, um, how dare you? We are met with fury and rage and contempt, right? And repentance really is looking at people who are corrupt, who are greedy, who are oppressive, who are cruel. And this, by the way, is us sitting in the church, right? And our, our petty, um, small kingdoms that we run. And people telling us, you need to change. You get angry really quickly. You are very controlling right? You're, um, when you're wrong, you don't admit it, right? And we need to learn that, hey, somebody needs to tell us, like, you need to change, right? 
You're addicted to this. You're living in bitterness and pain from what somebody has done to you years ago. And we live in this society where someone says, hey, Ronnie, you need to, you need to repent. The kingdom of the angels is over. We are establishing the kingdom of the Dodgers. You know what I mean? I mean that's, that's kind of that mentality. Sorry, was it good for you? Is that good for you? You need to repent because the kingdom of the Dodgers is over. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is, this is another obstacle. Yeah, people need to tell us to change. One last obstacle to repentance, again, from Garland's commentary. I like this. He called it a shallow view of sin. So before I get into this, before you start reading this quote ahead of, ahead of me, um, anybody heard of that book, of Com- the old book of common prayer? Anybody heard of that? No? You heard of that? Um, just like a, like a hymnal on prayer? Devotional on? Yeah, just kind of like an old, like, hey, these are just kind of... Yeah, liturgical. It's, yeah, it is a little bit. It's like kind of this, again, old book of common prayer. It was like kind of common prayers. Like imagine... I gave you a devotional and it just had common prayers that we would all pray together, right? So somebody took all these kind of old school common prayers and they twisted them and they kind of did a little bit of satire, right? And so Garland quotes this, I thought it was, it was pretty funny because he says, we live in a society that has a really shallow view of sin, right? And he quotes this kind of satire on this book of common prayer. Now read this, at least you'll get one smirk at some point. Benevolent and easygoing Father, we have occasionally been guilty of errors of judgment. We have lived under the deprivations of heredity and the disadvantages of environment. We have sometimes failed to act in accordance with common sense. We have done the best we could in the circumstances, and we've been careful not to ignore the common standards of decency, and we're glad to think that we are fairly normal. (laughs) Do thou, O Lord, Deal lightly with our infrequent lapses. Be thy own sweet self with those who admit they are not perfect according to the unlimited tolerances which we have, right, we have a right to expect from thee. And grant us, as indulgent, uh, grant us as an indulgent parent that we may hereafter continue to live a harmless and happy life and keep our self-respect, right? And, you know, again, Garland says, you know, probably part of the reasons that we don't have a, um, a, a view or a necessity or a, an urgency of repentance is probably a lot of our prayers can kind of sound a little bit like this. And I got it, I kind of, it's, it's okay, I've just made a couple mistakes here. I'm really, I'm really, like, I'm fairly normal, but, you know, um, you know, just deal lightly with me. I, I've, it's only been like a couple times and I, I haven't done that thing in, in two weeks. So it's, and repentance is not just, again, it's not just up here. Just like, Hey, let me just think a couple. It is like saying, I got to turn my life around. Right. It's a, it's a real call to turn our life around again, going back to that Gombas quote, right? Joyful self-sacrifice, service, justice, love, compassion, care for the poor creation, confession of sin, and forgiveness. Um, So let's do this. I want to end with a little bit of, uh, I want to end with a little bit of discussion. I want to end with, with just two questions today, right? And 
take a, take a little bit of a risk. Maybe something in your life that you need to repent from, right? And it doesn't have to be like, man, I'm hiding this thing deep down inside, and right? Don't get all sweaty. Maybe something. You could be like past bitterness. You could be controlling, be angry. You could be, um, it could just be like the way that I drive. Just something. The Lord's kind of been speaking to you like saying, hey, like that kind of direction that you're taking in life doesn't match up, Right? To, to self-sacrifice, doesn't match up to justice, doesn't match up to love or compassion, right? Um, just something that maybe you need to repent from. And then the second one on this one, too, is just, you know, kind of thinking through. And by the way, just full disclosure, because I need to repent. I forgot to put questions up, so these are the questions from last week. Um, but, <laughs> so that's why I'm kind of making them up by the fly. But the Lord is like, don't, don't like, hide just because you, you just forgot. Um, so anyway admitting I just forgot to put the questions up there um, if there was something again the praise the pushback the problems the vision the outcome the goal journey through Mark something in this teaching that surprised you and then I think the kind of fourth one there and I'll just put it up there something you need to repent from or something that if, if you even want to say I have a friend who needs to repent from you can kind of slide it under under like that so sound good take just a few minutes